0: Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate the space together. Before we get started with the show, I want to thank our friends and sponsors over at Prime XPT, where many of our listeners have already signed up to trade by visiting theburbnest.com slash PrimeXPT. Now we're excited to reward you with a very special offer brought to you by our friends at Prime. Visit the announcement channel on our Discord to learn how you can receive a one-time trading bonus equal to 50% of your deposit amount. Exciting times indeed. PrimeXPT is the most powerful trading platform offering immediate access to over 30 assets. Users may trade cryptocurrencies, forex, commodities, stock indices, and much more, all from a single Bitcoin-settled account. Prime XPT gives experienced traders up to 100x leverage to multiply their capital while also providing users with multiple order types, low trading fees, and ultra-high liquidity to equip them with a one-of-a-kind trading experience. Registration does not require any user information. So visit the link below and start trading on Prime XBT in minutes. You'll be hearing much more about Prime XBT here and why we're so excited about the products they already offer, including a one-of-a-kind BTC and Ethereum options trading platform called Turbo and an upcoming co-vesting product that will give traders and investors alike an entirely unique opportunity to multiply their capital. We're excited to congratulate the PrimeXBT team on a couple of project milestones, starting with the launch of direct crypto purchases with the use of credit and debit cards. To learn more about how to purchase crypto on the PrimeXBT platform using debit or credit cards, visit PrimeXBT today for a complete walkthrough. Also, we want to regard Prime for their progress integrating TradingView chart technology into their charting platform and their continued progress with the co-vesting module that will allow traders to mirror the activity of other traders. To find out more about the extensive progress of the co-vesting buildout, visit the Prime XPT blog for the most up-to-date information. And now for the show. Today we are excited to be joined by Arun Chopra, founder and chief market technician at Fusion Point Capital a market guidance and active investing service He began his professional experience as a research analyst in the biotech sector, focusing on mid- and late-stage companies. Arun transitioned to wealth management prior to the financial crisis, specializing in portfolio construction and hedging solutions, with a special emphasis on alternative investments. His work has been published in the MTA's Technically Speaking, and he is a featured contributor to StockWits, where Arun has been ranked among the top technical traders. In today's episode, Adrian and I discuss many macroeconomic elements with Arun, and to put it bluntly, I am utterly blown away by Arun's expertise. We learn how Arun became a mentor of sorts to Adrian in his charting journey, and how his work at Fusion Point Capital can serve our listeners in their trading journeys today. Today is an information-packed episode, and you will not want to miss this installment of The Nest Show. Thank you for joining us, and enjoy the ride. What The Nest Show is. This is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors, and you should not regard any information here or in The Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. All right, folks, welcome to The Nest Show. And today we have a very special episode joined by Aaron from Fusion Capital. Aaron, how are you, man?
1: Good, man. How's it going?
0: I'm doing very well. Very excited to have you on. As I mentioned pre-show, I was checking out uh, your body of work. And I got to say, our listeners and viewers, I encourage you highly to check over to fusionpointcapital.com and make sure that you see this man's work because uh, it it truly speaks for itself and we are uh, so lucky to have you on. And Adrian CryptoBurb himself, what's going on brother?
2: Oh great, oh great, thank you. And uh, well, I'm so much excited for this very episode of The Nest Show because I'm, I've am i been a huge, if not the hugest fan of Varun, you know, since the day I actually just follow him on Twitter. And uh, there's so much uh, I learned already and there's so much I actually, you know, gained from from, from this friendship. So. I'm definitely looking forward and and just let's get it on
0: and uh, I want to make sure that we harness the time effectively because Aaron has a wealth of expertise and and perspective to add to this current moment, which is uh you know in the, in the global you know political and economic sphere is is somewhat unprecedented so we've got plenty to discuss but before we get into it, uh, the present moment is nothing without a little historical context. so Adrian, how did you first come across? Aaron's work and and what was your your journey like connecting with him
2: oh to start with that's a very good question because I think it was already a couple of good 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 months you know I cannot recall the exact day but this was suddenly I think it was around a year you know because uh I actually had Arun to an extent be my somewhere like a like a guide you know for my uh, for my starting the journey uh towards the official CMT chartered market technician designation and certification. Um, I'm very proud of having passed, you know, my very first designation level uh, back in December. And uh, just as I actually said pre-show as well, if it hadn't been for the coronavirus and all the delays, you know, uh, that the word stopped, um, I would have already been most likely the CMT2, the second grade designation, uh, which is more, more like a halfway, you know, towards the and towards the entire designation, I would have I would have already been that in June, right? Like a month ago. But but I'm not. This is all this has all been delayed. But Arun would always uh have this special place on my feed. <laughs> I'm like this is most likely one of the only people I truly look at, I truly look up to uh, have my notifications on, so for anybody listening to that, there is no way. I swear to God, there is no way you can leave this podcast without giving a follow to Arun. There's so much, so much help, Arun, you've actually provided me with so far. I'm so impressed with so with 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 so many works of yours, and with the quality of your overall market reading. That's so amazing for you having both the CMT, the CFA. And all the uh, behavioral aspects to your analysis, I'm, I'm so much looking forward to hearing all your thoughts and charts about EASE.
1: Yeah, yeah no, no, th- thanks. I that's honestly, it's always nice to hear. And 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 when we met, I mean, frankly, you know, your work reminds me a lot of the stuff that I was doing, even when I started. Like, I get the the feeling also of like wanting to do level one, level two right away, right? So I know the pandemic kind of slows that. But I I would say also that like you know, frankly, I did my CMT. You know, after I had been charting for a long time, and you can see it in your work. You know, you have there's a passion, right? And and you're sharing what you see and you believe in, and you have the notes. And and really, that that's I think you know a lot of people reach out, and I'm happy to direct them in certain ways. But you know, it's it's not that everybody follows through is one thing, and it's not that everyone should. It's it's you know my journey is very unique. And my history, I'm still relatively young. I started very young and the behavioral thing came along on its own. There was times I needed fundamentals. There was times it was technicals. It's it's that organic journey that you don't just have, you know, overnight or and or everybody has or should. So I think, you know, you can see it in your stuff. You're teaching, you're showing. It's clear. I think all of that is, you know, organic, right? It's not forced. And so whether it's level two this summer or it's later in the year, it's really not in the big picture. I don't think it'll matter for you. And, you know, it's it's really about look at what you guys are doing. Look how much you're building. You know, this stuff. One of the things I thought was so interesting, too, in terms of crypto and even coming on today was just in general is like, dude, we didn't have this back then. You know, even 10 years, let's say we just didn't have a crypto market that was liquid, that you could apply technicals, you know that. And in my group, people wouldn't know what to do with that anyways, because it's more you know, the foundation of finance, trying to apply that to crypto, it just doesn't really, you can have your bull, your, your narratives around what it is. That's different than price. And so it's just unique to see, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it, you know, and, and I kind of dip in and out of the market every now and then, but, but it is a huge piece of everything I watch as well.
0: Aaron, I have to follow up and say that I, I'm just fascinated by your journey and, and how you uh, got to become the the founder and and uh, chief market technician of Fusion Point Capital. So you started up as a research analyst uh, in the biotech sector. So wh- what was it like? Uh, you know, as a, as a research analyst there, you were uh, looking at uh, basically. You're finding alpha in in biotech, uh, you know, yielding uh, investment opportunities for uh, was that a, for a family desk or for?
1: Yeah, sorry. So, so I should actually take a, a step back too from that. Even prior, so the biotech research ended up being the catalyst, I think, for me that led to like, you know, the next step, like CFA stuff and wealth management and those. But it was it was built out of. And part of this comes through my feed, hopefully. But, you know, I grew up sort of in the dot-com thing, and I'm from NorCal, and I'd seen it all firsthand. And that was my big sort of exposure to finance, the good and the bad. And I think that that piece of it at that age, and you're seeing it too, whether it be volatility in crypto or whether it be, frankly, the virus, right? I mean, you see it now, and there's probably people who are just starting out, and you're not supposed to know everything. Um, As that led me to biotech, ironically, that position ended up being something that I couldn't stick with because we just didn't do enough capital market. It was a lot of market research on pipelines on on, you know, I had a general business background, but I had been in trading for my college time, etc. Anyways, we just didn't tie things to the financial market the way I wanted. And I remember, you know, my boss at the time, who was actually a friend, you know, it was just like, this probably isn't for you. He actually was the one that said, have you heard of the CFA? And I thought, you know, I, there's no way I could pass that. I had kind of heard about it. And frankly, I went to, I did not even do it for another three, four years. But, um, I took an intermission, made a film with my brother in New York. Like there was a lot of different things we were doing, but all of that was absorbing. And I think the bio piece helped me at least, you know, to some extent it gives you the 10 K work. It gives you the pipeline work. It's also very visionary. And if you think back to then versus now, you know, the, the genome was just being mapped. There's stocks today like Illumina that were barely on the radar. And there's stuff in the dot-com stuff that, you know, were theories back then that were bubble stocks for sure, but that actually are real today. You know, like if you were to apply a pandemic back then, you know, you wouldn't have food delivered to every household the way it is now. You know, so, anyways, I think that's the whole the arc of it. And the entry level into bio was a good opportunity to say, okay, wait a minute, like there would be charts of Silver, literally, I was buying bags of silver back then, you know, in that first bowl. And so it was a good experience in terms of, okay, this is how things kind of work, but you could see quickly that, okay, you're going to be basically a specialist in pipelines of individual biotechs. You know, that's not going to, for me, fill in the blanks of what I wanted to do. You know, and so then that that leads you down the road of, okay, and along the way, you pick up a lot of behavioral stuff. You see it in You see it in yourself, right? In the dot-com bubble, you're bullish. Then there's a real bear market. I would argue a lot of the younger generation hasn't felt a bear like 2000. You know, everyone kind of understands 08. You can feel a virus panic. You can see even vol in Bitcoin. But the 08 bear market is a different animal that we really haven't seen. And that's where you learn a lot about psychology and sticking with stocks that aren't working or panicking or breaking finally after, you know, two years of torture, things like that. You know, it's all part of the journey. And biotech was a nice place to kind of, okay, get a little sort of foundational stuff and then kind of go from there. And so, you know, Fusion Point came out only because at the end of the day, I just saw this is kind of what we're at now, building algos and tools and things because that's the experience that I have.
0: I, I got to ask before we before we move on, this is just uh, burning a hole in my head. You can't say NorCal and biotech without um you know uh speaking a little bit about the now infamous uh theranos um uh company that's been defunct you know i i know that you had uh moved on from the space uh while all that was shaking down but But did you still have ears to the ground or people in your community who were were speaking with you about it? Did you see any flags early on or what was your take on that as it was happening?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it sticks with you. So like the dot com bubble. So this is like, you know, my feed is nowadays more contrarian. And I and I try to kind of push back on a lot of the standard stuff that's out there, even though a lot of it is true. You know, there's no debate about fraud. There's no debate about the system being a boom and bust system. I don't think there's any debate about currency and all these things. It's just a question of how does it express itself over time in the market in a three-month, six-month, five-year, 10-year, 20-year. And I think that's where, so for me, you never lose this idea after especially the dot-com. You know, there were so many, the dot-com showed you they would try to, you know, selling an idea is nothing new or extrapolating into the future and trying to give you you know, get you into the stock or whatever, is nothing new. It was insane in the late 90s because there was nobody checking on these things. You know, you could if you could get your hands on research reports from back then, you would find projections that probably we don't even see today in some of the more ludicrous stuff that's there. And so that cycle of behavior, it doesn't disappear from you once you've been through it. And in this area, it's nothing new to see fraud inside of innovation, particularly when money's easy, because it's an easy thing to sell and it's fast, you know? And and even if your intentions were good to start with or whatever, so the Theranos building is up the road and that was there, you know, before like, I think the Wall Street Journal had a building behind it when they used to do the print copies everywhere. That whole area up on the hill is, you know, you do have, Tibco is there, many companies that made it. But then there's also this stuff and it's more so than like anyone telling me, you immediately see, okay, okay, this is BS. Now I have family and healthcare, so, It was obvious with one dinner to be like, can you really prick your finger and figure this stuff out? No, of course not. Right. So then you go to, well, is it possible over time? Does it make sense with the story? And then, but then even in that, you know, you're dealing with a psychology that look at the people that were invested big, huge names in the government, huge names in the country. Right. So you're battling that. Right. So, yes, the short answer, yes. The bigger answer is I think these things are always there and it just, Regard, being from here helped see it, but no matter what, once you've seen it, that's part of you now. I don't think you can blanketly apply it. And even when you see it, it doesn't mean it's gonna play out the way you think. And that's you know, the complicating part.
2: This somehow corresponds you know, with, with one of the questions that I also have had you know, them burning on, on my end. Because you know, this is somewhat of a similar time you know, to the to the dot coin bubble to an extent, right? Because we are talking, uh, we are talking about uh, actual recession, the economic recession, and uh, I'm super curious to you know what's your commentary over the past months of the overall economic performance uh, since the actual market, you know, top crash
1: uh, in February March. Like, what's your take on that? I look at it as I think this is also where the distinctions kind of come in because. You know, in January, February coming in, we had news of like the virus in general in December in China and things like that. There were people on Twitter that were making a lot of noise about it that ended up being right. But I would argue some have made noise about everything. Right. So that that's one thing. At the flip side, if you really listen, there's somebody I follow that probably bearish on everything. And I dismiss a lot of it. But that I listened to and they did nail it. They nailed it. And but so it's kind of like the logical flow. Is this real? Could this happen? I did a video on Italy a week before and not to say I told you so to say this is logically this is was likely to happen right but you but you told them so <laughs> Yeah yeah well I did yeah sure 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 I told them so but yeah and I think I mean I think I think the big thing was you, even then you don't know how it's going to play out in the market and that's a big piece of it you know you could be totally wrong and be right in the market I think the the bigger issue was as this was building in terms of the stuff I follow, and that's why I put a post out in February. That's why I lightened up. You could see TLT breaking out. You know, there was enough new noise there to say, okay, we're well off the... I think it stemmed from the 19 low, right? In, in 2019, you know, when we had the low, or came out of 2018, I should say, and came out of that rally, we got frothy towards Q4 of, 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 of 2019. So it was already a risky market. The pandemic hits, and you could see something no one had seen, right? Shutting down things. And that piece caused, but I think the problem, especially at the low, and when I had how many algo signals and all that stuff was this, I think there's a knee jerk to go back to 08 or go back to 2000, right? And because of that, you end up in a situation where you just can't foresee the Fed going to zero, unlimited, you know, 20% increase in M2. You talk about, you know, backstopping now corporate bonds, even to an extent. When you do all that, who could see that, wait a minute, let me go to the fastest growing names, you know, in the market that it might be two to five billion dollar tech stocks, you know, or it might be a Google or whatever. With So to me, what's happening in terms of the market, it does make sense from a volatility standpoint, from a easy money standpoint with a fast acting Fed. Uh, I think when you get to that point, you start to say, you know, it's an example of trying to fit old you know, scenarios onto something that is totally new. And it really takes that person thinking, wait a minute, this is a pandemic. Everyone's, you know, maybe not work from home, but everyone's going to, money's getting cheap and we're going to have this crazy V type of thing. You know, that to me is the missing piece a lot of people don't want to even think is possible.
2: That's, that's very interesting. That's very interesting uh, because it actually, well, if you think about it, well, to the best of my understanding of how markets work, the actual economic recession did start at the time that you mentioned. Actually, the actual you know break you know between eighteen and nineteen, and all the entire nineteen was more of like a more like connected with with growing inflation over the you know printing money and the printing money. Uh, is that is that
1: correct to an extent? Yeah, yeah. I think one of the big changes, too, like so, people always say, and I see this with people who are more my generation in terms of like the finance equity side. You know, they the big conversation is. You know, the Fed being out of bullets or this idea of being stuck in a market that the Fed can't help. And that is a very real thing. I've been there and most people can't understand that unless you've been there and been stuck. And by that, I mean, I I, I think it was a 75 basis point intra meeting cut by Bernanke in in the 2000 cycle, I believe, or maybe Greenspan. I I can't remember, but there's a 75 basis point cut as tech is deflating and they're trying to somehow save the market, but there's just no way with the way monetary lag works that it's going to work. And so you're trapped. You maybe have a two-day bounce to lighten up, and we're going lower over the next three months. And that's like a grinding bear. And you also don't really want to sell because you're remembering that these stocks were you know, insanely momentum for a decade, not just the last two years of the 90s. So that thing is a very dangerous component. But people forget that that was also created by the Fed. You know, they had raised rates all of 99. They had really taken liquidity out. And so generally in those scenarios, yeah, the liquidity gets pulled. The markets continue to hold in. You see deterioration in certain stocks. The real economy is already in recession. And eventually that is the traditional model that we all understand that, you know, I think everyone's trying to find again. And you could make the case that out of 19, yes, that we were starting to recede in the real economy in Q3, let's say, of, of 19, right? Yeah. You know, that. I think that's fair. I think we never got to find out if the Fed made it in time because they did stop tapering in 18, right? They did pull back. In fact, my biggest shorts were all mid-18 and they were taking forever because the Fed had started tapering yeah. the year before, right? So I think it's fair to say, I just think we'll never know. That's crazy. That's
2: crazy. I mean, you know, that flowing actually, you know, from, from so much knowledge of, of yours, it, it's, you know, it's very good, to know that I at least, you know, have some good understanding, good portion of understanding of how it works to an extent. Okay.
1: I think you're right. I think imagine if there was no pandemic. Would what they had done in mid-18 been enough? And there's a fair case to say no, it's not. It's just very hard when they're sitting at zero. We just don't know. I've seen good cases on, well, the Fed doesn't need to raise to cause a recession. I, sure, sure it's much harder than it would be and we don't know how hard right we just you know the difference between 2% and 0 is a massive amount in terms of interest you know so we'll see yeah, but i think you're on true. the i think i think it's a right story i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't say that that's you know false no
2: i got it just just a very quick part though uh, there there was the second part of a question that i'm actually even like even more like you know intrigued by uh because what we have been seeing, you know, since the actual crash in February and March, I think this is an unprecedented event on the global scale, like in economic history, right? Because one thing is, like top global economists, that would say, you know, real negative interest will never work, but they actually all of a sudden work. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that this entire, uh, I would say, you know, just rally passed since uh, since the crash in March or February, uh, isn't that somewhat of a dead
1: count bounce only? So I put it, I looked at this, actually, I'll give you an example of 08 versus now. And then I think that the bigger qualifier being that this in and of itself is not a reason to say, no, it's it's not. I think there's a, you know, you can look at, we could all talk about the divergences. We know whether it's financials or casinos or airlines or whatever. You know, this week you see autos getting back into play plenty of chemical stuff, XLBs rallying. So that I think is always a moving target, right? It starts out potentially as one. It might not turn into one. You don't, you'll never fully know, but we could look at like 08. And in the summer of, you know, when bear went down in March of 08, you know, volatility spiked, It was a headline, but it went to the back pages pretty quick. And if you really look at the top in 07, you see almost a two, about an 18-month rounding out sort of process. During that time, the internals had diverged. A lot of things had happened prior to the bounce in March of 08. And one of the things I try to focus on is if you're looking for what is the example of the current market, is this a dead cat? A, know that it can change on you, even if you've got it. Like you've got it, you saw it, you see the divergence or whatever. It can change on you pretty quickly. Especially in this type of environment where the Fed is after it. And right. So that's one. And the second thing is where did you come from prior to that bounce? And you really have to analyze. And traditionally, 07 was a big rounded top, lots of divergences, big money was out. The bounce in March, I remember the headlines on Bear, and I remember a lot of people not paying a lot of attention. In fact, I was talking to my boss at the time. We were just laughing about how, oh, you know, uh, isn't this crazy that you know this is now happening and this always happens when they lend long, you know, they're borrowing short term, lending long, all these things, but it went away. That summer, bullishness spiked to 52% in June and July of 08. The market never recovered. In fact, Breath had stayed negative the whole summer. We never Breath, for instance, today, I've seen readings as high as 70 and 80. That thing got stuck at 48 all summer, the same gauge, right? So it's sitting at 48 all summer, suddenly everybody's bearish again, and then Lehman hits. And even then, Lehman hits almost five months later, right? So this is the nature of cycles and markets and psychology is that it's designed to kind of ring everybody out, designed to make everybody... Cra- Look at gold, right? Gold is now moving higher, but after the initial pattern, it went nowhere since April. And most call buyers probably lost the premium before it really ran. It, it, so in a microcosm you know i would say that 08 is a classic bear there's plenty in oo and i think in this environment yeah i mean i'm not buying something at 60 times sales i never will but at the same time the internal piece of this is a little bit at least we can qualify it as i mean look at the bearish i could you imagine 50% bulls right now it just wouldn't happen it's just it's not part of our lexicon today you know so i think anybody who claims it to be one undeniably would have to prove that a little bit more and anyone who says there's no way it is that's kind of the problem too cuz then you're adopting a market that has really diverged <laughs> right in a way that doesn't yeah, make a ton tricky. of sense
2: it's very it's very tricky it's very tricky i completely agree with that Aaron.
0: Arun, following up on your statement there with gold about uh, gold being you know kind of a a laggard to to shake out a good portion of retail you know what what would you say is the Bull case and bull timeline, possibly, if I may be so bold as to ask, for Bitcoin. And, you know, because I know that, you know, throughout this market and the uncertainty with the, uh, you know, with the dollar and with, you know, uh, uh, oversold uh, commodities uh, or rather uh, legacy markets, um, you know, people are, you know, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, faithful are, are really kind of waiting for Bitcoin to emerge as a, uh you know, as a a kind of new wave hedge. And I I just love to hear, you know, what uh, uh, the bull case that that you would see for that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think structurally, I mean, I should qualify all this by saying that, like, I am on the team of sort of, you know, this decentralization and sort of this accountability within finance. I think Part of the problem is I and as I, we were talking just in terms of you know meeting and Twitter and everything. I only came to Twitter I want to say three or four years ago. I used to post a lot on StockTwits as well, which is obviously you know lesser known in terms of I wouldn't have met certain people, but I, I loved the the platform. I had been there for a while, and so, anyways, having done all that, um, you know, that world has been very anti equity, and so my prior to this bull market was all. Precious metals. I mean, most people don't know a ton about that b- dollar bear market from 04, really 2000, 2001, to about 07, really before the finance. There was about a, a six, seven year real bear market in the dollar. I think we broke below 70 and hit 60. And that's when silver, of course, hit 50 and all that other stuff. And so I think within that, as a foundation, I used to ghost right under a different name or whatever. And I want to publish it in some time, days because it was so bullish, these metals. I think that trend doesn't stop, obviously. But I think Bitcoin in many ways priced a lot of that and then a lot of euphoria too, right? When it got to 20. I have a kind of a rule of three where you see three things happen at one, in a row. The third one usually fails in market. So the idea of three breakouts in a row, whether it's 2011, whether it's now, or whether it was 2017 or now, but those are more technical things. I I think the bigger issue is more about Which I haven't looked enough at, but it's more about adoption, I think. And, you know, there's so many coins, right? So let's say someone like me that is kind of more of a generalist. There's so many. How do you, you know, figure that universe to a point? And I think the the underlying bull scenario, waking up to a shift in what currency really is supposed to be, right? That doesn't go away. You know, who benefits entirely from that has always been, you know, you see people saying Bitcoin or gold or silver or maybe some Ether, right? There's plenty of ways... Um, to play it. I, I think I'm just, I would say that it's, it's more of a, the question will become how much of the 17 overhang is done with. And that may be answered pretty soon here. I mean, you know, the move to 13,000 got the same sentiment we saw at 20. And that was a while ago, that's shaking out. It's been an impressive hold above the levels, you know, and, and look at this way, if Bitcoin were to range between three grand and 20 grand over the next, I don't know how long, that would still be a massive win, given where it's coming from. Right. I think, you know, the inside of the volatility of that range is still magnitudes higher than it ever was, you know, in 2011 or anything like that. But I think it's still a very open question how the currency system is going to, you know, shake out. And and this this printing is one thing. I've seen it how many times look at now, look at even PPP loans or anything like that. Who gets the capital? Who puts it to work? Where does it go? It's not as easy to print and hand money to everybody as certain prices in Alternatives could presume at times, right? I I don't know if that's what's happening now, and I I doesn't suspect me that silver moving to twenty four is a sign that the whole system's collapsing. I mean, there's room, right? There's room, but you know, where do you get the dollar? Do you get it down to sixty in the next two or three years? That's a tough road, I think, given the way the currency system currently is. But is it in the longer run something real? Yeah, you could you can pin a lot of the social stuff in the world without a virus to the lack of you know, accountable currency. That's not, that's not a stretch. I don't think that's anything new, but I think there becomes an issue of, okay, then do you run to the financial asset you think represents that and buy it at any price? You know, yes, if you have a long horizon, but if you're saying, oh, it's going to break out above 10 tomorrow and run it, you know, you've got to watch the tape. You've got to know.
0: Are there any like uh, I guess macro scenarios that you're anticipating where you're like, you know what, this is really gonna be the test for Bitcoin's emergence, you know, whether or not it really sails uh, you know as emerging countries and central banks fail uh, with you know hyperinflation, et cetera. You know, Is there a scenario like that that you're you're thinking, okay, You know, this would be a prime a prime time for for BTC to show up. Or if it doesn't really show up here, then maybe the great experiment is all for naught, you know.
1: Right. Well, and, and that and what's interesting about that though is is like I could say, well, because it didn't move now, in the face of like, you know, all of this fed interaction, therefore it's not representative. But but knowing historically cycles in general, I don't think that's a fair thing. I think the fact that it's back in the nines and tens, even post you know if you look it, it did liquidate with the rest of the market on the initial panic right because deflation the dollar etc they come in and, and do swaps and everything else and you see these things bounce back I think on some level even if you're super pessimistic on crypto or Bitcoin let's say as a thing you can't deny that it's showing strength even in the face of maybe not as much as people would want but you know in in a real Virus panic, why you know you would think, well, Litecoin or Ether, these things would stay down and they're not. I think the problem with the larger macro, you know, having been around, you know, how long has the Hong Kong dollar peg been going to break or Japanese rate spike or, you know, those macro pieces? One thing that I think, at least, and I can't obviously prove it, but over the years, the Fed has gotten smarter in terms of what to pin in the financial market. Not that it's smarter for us overall or anything. I mean, it's an extension of how we got here. But you could go back 10 years ago, and if a macro event happened, transports would fall out of bed or copper would collapse or something like that. And you would see that as a tell, and it would work because even the Fed, I mean, you could go back to 07, there were things breaking in the market. The Fed had no idea. You know, they just didn't know. They would say, oh, things are fine. You know, how many comments were there prior to the financial crisis? And home builders have been diverging for almost two years. Right. So I think a lot of our signals are kind of gone on the macro side. You see them, you know, it's almost like, okay, this is weak. Suddenly it's strong, you know, and and so I think they've gotten more smarter with that. And so more so than I think getting a signal from the market, it's it's are the fundamentals here. Like I, I often wonder, like I said, numerous coins. I think Bitcoin came under pressure when transaction costs were high or like when a network kind of something like that versus when that gets corrected all of a sudden. So adoption probably plays a big role in this. You know, I think those are the bigger signs rather than saying every central bank is going to fail. They're going to fight. Right. So, you know, you can get paid in different ways along. Look at Lumber's move or Palladium even over the course of the last few years. So I don't know if the thesis goes away as much as it is you have to look uh, these are things i don't know about the crypto market but you know how why is the dominance there does it stay there is it the medium of exchange does it become the major thing and is it continuing to grow because you do have the truth of you know accountability and 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 transparency right and so i think that is the real underlying bet right is that that's where you know we know how societies erode you can see the wealth disparity these aren't new things but i don't think that it'll be one specific you know, event. I would say that if crypto wasn't up here and holding up during this, to me that would be more of a signal like, okay, maybe the system itself isn't, you know, we're deflating, stocks are gonna come in, et cetera. There's just not liquidity. You know, as a liquid instrument, it seems like it's been holding as the superior one in the space for a while.
2: Thanks Arunino, for all the uh, all the expansive I guess explanation and you know, over the market because you know the way I can read all that you're saying is that you would consider all of the markets as a part of, as, as kind of like an integral unit, as a kind of like unity, right? So that the way, the way that you are, uh, well, just, I say, discussing the markets, at least on my end, it does look like you consider that as an integrity, that Bitcoin, let's say, is not necessarily having this one impulse, let's say this one short-term impulse that all of a sudden would make the world collapse or make the you know just all the banks collapse, just the way you said, right? Uh, that it's more first of all about this huge long-term perspective and vision by observing the actual fundamental and intrinsic fields and uh, and actual intrinsic uh, fundamental trends. I say this is actually the way you should do this you know you should you should practice this mastery over the equity market to an extent right because this is this is uh, what's different between the Bitcoin and the entire crypto industry when you compare that with the equity and the classical legacy markets. This is this intrinsic value that bitcoin is actually lack, lacking because of the the decentralization. And uh, my question is if you were able to to tell like apart from Bitcoin perhaps, and all oh, perhaps perhaps you you would be you would be you know so 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 kind to actually pull up some charts what was the most surprising asset that you saw like performing the best that you would never expect or uh like the asset that most surprised you uh since the actual you know uh the actual pandemic started officially right in february and march is that that possible for you to to kind of like get over these
1: one thing i want to show you guys we were just talking about Point as well. We could add this or whatever, but I think one of the things I want to show you is if you look at like revenue growth stocks, and I posted this recently, and these are R&D, these are kind of healthcare names. These are just comparisons between them. And, and I'll just show you like, you know, the value names, we all know they've been down. Um, and I've got a different set of value things. And even companies that are buying back shares at what I consider to be a reasonable rate, you know, that, that hasn't gone anywhere. A lot of that is because capital is being preserved. But if you take this to a a 36-month view, sorry, that's the 12, if you take it to the 36, you really can see, I mean, look at this incredible outperformance in these spots. And it really started during the financial, or sorry, during the the COVID, during the virus. And so I I, I guess the easy answer would be, you know, I didn't expect to see revenue growth stocks really rally I in this way I don't think I mean I think my first inclination and anybody once you've gone through a couple bears your first sort of thought is you know cash rich if it's equity you know they've got to be able to weather the storm but if you look even some of the stuff I track like balance sheet type you know stronger balance sheet companies they really haven't done much so I would almost invert that answer and first say I've been surprised that the balance sheet stuff really hasn't done well I would say there's some surprise to the the high beta. But at the same time, you know, the Fed is at zero. So I think that's that's there. You know, with respect to the equity markets, holistically, I, I do think that's the right way to do it, because, look, I was this way when I was first into silver and I could literally buying 90 percent bags. Right. And I think it was 750 was the price at the time, maybe nine. I was at the SF Gold show in like 2006 or something like that. And And the point being that you can get to those places where you say, you know, it's an either-or. The banks collapse and Bitcoin shoots. But I think it's more complicated than that. And I also think that you will lose a lot of other options. Like, you you want that in your matrix, right? You want that piece of that. But you want to be thinking also, what else? You know, I have an, a crazy story of a friend of mine who started a website that was that was a search thing. He turned it. It wasn't getting any traction. They turned it into a celebrity site. It was bought by Google within, like, three months or something. They closed it down. They paid them out. Whoa. Yeah. And, and get this. he He's getting a three-year payout, a decent amount up front. He, he he calls me and I'm doing wealth management at the time. He says, you know, what should I do? And we we're looking at standard thing. And he says, what do you think about Tesla? And I said, look, and at the time I said, I have no idea. I just IPO'd. It was under, it was like $32 a share. And I said, I have no idea. It's not what I'm looking at. You know, it, it, it's speculative, I'm sure, et cetera. Um, And we're just doing traditional stock bond stuff. Anyways, because of his age and everything else, he just went on his own. I believe he took half the lump sum from my understanding and went straight into Tesla. I have no idea. Here's the irony is he probably sold it, you know, at like 80 bucks, right? Or 100 bucks or 200 bucks, right? You know, but my my larger point is I think there's a lot of ways to think about wealth and innovation and things in the context of a screwed up, you know, system. And that's a lot of like, OK, that the money side is the unit of account, right? It's the it's the means of, of you know, this is how we're accounting for things or, or trading value. But what is valuable underneath that can still be sort of can still be sort of done. I don't think that this is that I don't think that seeing, you know, certain stocks like if I were to go to, you know, the rev list and just look at even technology, you'll just see I'm sure a lot of people know these names. But, you know, you could see even in these smaller stages, you can and if we just do it, even the fastest movers in the last, you know, it's a lot data dog is through the roof. You know, OKTA, Sure. I don't know how surprised, but but I don't think that that is. um, I don't think it's sustainable. sustainable. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't. And other than that, I'll be honest, man, I don't. The biggest surprise was that we dropped a full forty percent, and the VIX hit eighty. You know, I think anybody in oh yeah, right. You know, forty would have been (laughs) the upper limit. Fifty, that was a surprise. For what you were, what you were actually just showing, you know, on the charts, you know,
2: with uh, within these, let's say, stocks that were not necessarily hundred percent expected to go and perform so well. I'm actually, I cannot help myself, but I'm actually just having your tweet open. Uh, the one that I commented that it actually just sums up past, past months the best way. Uh, and there is this chart uh, ratio, this com- not even the ratio, but this comparison, you know, one chart put on the top of the other uh, that com- com- like compares Tesla. And with t with tsla right sticker sticker and then you have like tlsa right so to let it change that is what tiziana like life Sciences plc right and it's so hilarious because the their charts i mean they look brilliantly the same right this is so so insane i mean correct me if i'm wrong but to the best of my understanding like with all this you know, stimulus and all this, you know, just uh, unlimited QE. Uh, Could it be really the case that people
1: would literally confuse the tickers? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's funny how that came about because I had been, you know, obviously just typing in Tesla one day, I think I typed in the wrong order, you know, and so it had been on my screen, and I was like, oh, yeah. Anyways, and I noticed that it started ripping recently, and I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder what the return on these two is, just specifically since the low. And I think you see that because there's another one, right? There's like a Zoom, or there's like a, a yeah, there's like a, yeah, Zoom info, right, ZI, and it has come down a lot now, but at one point it was running. And, and actually there is, there are academic studies Now, so these are two separate issues, but you could combine them in the same behavioral phenomenon. But there is a lot of studies that show that catchy types of names and how you would study this is debatable, but there's catchy types of names that do perform, outperform. And so whether that's like a, a name like Zoom, a ticker symbol like Datadog, right? You know, and obviously this one's just been up. But something that we actually experimented with, like finding every four letter thing that is kind of something you know of you know or catchy and so i think that also leads into these moments where yeah like people don't know they're buying i don't think i don't think people actively think they're buying tesla right but i (laughs) but, but but i think there's i think there's some component of like yeah i mean this sounds like what's running or this looks like what's running or this sounds this sounds as if it was a good runner right let's get it (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I tweeted that yesterday, that, that joke kind of about somebody calling me and saying, hey, what do you think of this stock? And then me kind of going through the numbers and then them saying, cool, I'm already in it and it takes off. And that actually is happening. I mean, I am having, yeah, that does happen. People ask me about, oh, what do you think of this name? And it's like, okay, I mean, those observations aren't super relevant in what's now become for the last four months. It, it is a question of your own individual risk, and that's a whole bigger you know, bigger thing. But in terms of the way the markets are moving, it is I don't know if there's a word for it, but in some way it's 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 rationally, you know, irrational or whatever, given our history, given what we're doing now, you know, I didn't I didn't catch the low because I was thinking about things in terms of how the pandemic would affect society today or the economy today and and really not even how it would affect it tomorrow. You know, now you have to start asking those questions. But back then it was okay, well everything's beaten up, the, you know the Fed is an unlimited QE. and and certainly then, then you see this. You know, I just don't think that TLSA is necessarily the sign that it's a bear rally either, right? I, I don't know, but I know I wouldn't be buying it, and I know we're seeing those extremes, you know and, and I think that speaks even more and more to the, you know the conventional wisdom that thinks all this stuff is mathematically or logically sound. It's often not
0: our listeners are anything like me, they're deeply impressed with what they've heard from you so far. And I am just chomping at the bit to, uh, you know, learn more about what you're doing at fusion point capital and how myself and, and uh, our listeners can work with you over there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, thanks. And I, and I appreciate that. I mean, I, I, um like I said, this stuff came about through, it's really organic. And so I'll just give you a kind of example is I do do an active thing where we have like a chat and stuff and I put out what I'm thinking. I do, videos my my sort of background of like biotech to wealth management to this stuff now it kind of came about because I, I really in the wealth management thing it's fine and i understand the need for it and i'm always impressed i'll say this now cuz i know some people follow me they don't know all my views where i'm very impressed with good in particular but like prudent financial advisors people who really understand sort of the wealth preservation piece the growth piece the the planning you know this is not an economy that makes sense for most people. And I don't expect that to change. If anything, it's gotten worse since I, you know, and and I think I used to think it can't get worse. So I don't, I think that those roles are very important. And I think you can express your financial values through that process, wealth management, preservation, planning under the knowledge that this is a broken system. And so that's first and foremost, but for me, I certainly moved away from it because it was not as exciting. And, you know, when markets were going straight up too. there's less of a premium put on someone, frankly, with my background, I would say. I mean, I think it just becomes a buy and hold sort of world. This whole fusion point thing was stuff I was trying out when I was learning. And what happened is, you know, the technology changed. So access to, you know, quantitative fundamental data that you just couldn't get the algo, which I post a lot and is now live and it's still, you know, it's available. People can buy it or whatever, but like, it's still, I have to run it and manually look at it. I tried to build that with a, you know, a well-known hedge fund, but we couldn't get the data back then. So I'm doing it all in house. Now, this stuff is basically a, a way to look at common things like growth quality and value stocks, but break it down even more. So, you know, I've got things that are like revenue growth only, so it doesn't have to have profits, and stocks like Shopify connotate that. We kind of broke down all the factors. And these are other stuff like short squeezes are things I learned over the years. I'll give you an example like r and d. companies putting money into r and d at a heavy clip tends to lead the future returns. These stocks have had a great move this time, and I can show you even if you just go to like, I don't know, we'll go to healthcare and bio and tech. and you can see in the small cap space in particular, And you just say, okay, like, I don't know, some momentum on it, maybe the 60. You start to see stuff like an alarm or whatever, but there's also a lot of, you know, healthcare, EBS or things like that. So anyways, this is a way for me to isolate fundamental factors and then visually kind of make a decision. Um, and, And there is value things you can put on top. But the point being, I came to a place where it was not necessarily about, you know, each spreadsheet. And I think we can combine factors with charts it's worked well in terms of i've found things i would have never found you know in the past because the computer can seek it out um so that's this is new this is literally i used to run this with another software now we have our own and this is pretty much done it was built in the last year um and so there's stuff on this and and then i work privately with people too the algo and the scans are really where i want to go because those are the tools i use and i think that those encompass not only behavioral and the algo and capitulation but then for particularly for swing, but also if you're investing, there's ways to find stuff. But for me, it's just changed into a world of you know these are my most scalable businesses, and I can visually see them you know in any time frame I want. this is kind of how I operate day to day, you know, and I can see things, I can see what's short, et cetera. but it's really the back end of how you know I basically go from I do need to know, does this fit a fundamental bucket? I can do more work after the fact, but my decisions are usually first done after that through filtering through the, the visuals. You know, so I, I and, and that's, that's ultimately, you know, we're doing research for advisors, you know, I'm, I'm running, you know, videos and things for people who are of all stripes. But for me, that's been more enjoyable, frankly, you know, and of course my trading, it's just a little bit better than, the pure wealth management and frankly you know this stuff didn't exist as i said i I couldn't pull this type of data in the past and line it up this way and so yeah that's that's you know fusion is designed to be components of fundamentals technicals and then definitely behavior right i mean behavior which can kind of fall under the technical umbrella but it has its own and that's why we're doing a lot more surveys now and things like that but frankly the algo tends to pick up you know enough of where you start to see imbalances because of people's, frankly, just, you know, behavior.
0: So today we're seeing, you know, uh, an uptick of, uh, you know, day traders and kind of a retail army led by, uh, Dave Portnoy and, you know, the uh, Twitterverse of, uh, you know, folks who uh, think basically are filling the time that they would be spending at a, you know, nine to five job, you know, they're, they're at home and, you know they're 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 trading in and to you know to whatever degree of success, you know with with Fusion Capital and in your uh, or rather with Fusion Point Capital and your uh, your offering here, uh, you know with your monthly subscriptions, who is your key demo and who would you say can can benefit most from uh, this various suite of services you have Fusion Active, Fusion Scans, Fusion Algo. Who are the the big ticket purchasers here?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. Like part of this was, you know, you know, doing research in general, it's interesting to see the way this has changed, because I didn't understand that, you know, so many people had done these paid rooms for crypto and things like that. As you mentioned, Portnoy and that phenomenon, I think it's only a bigger extension of everything. Like if you were to go back 20 years and say, if the Fed keeps doing this and if we keep the sort of bubble boom bust thing, where will we be with 20 somethings uh, in 2020? And you could probably draw uh, uh, outside of the virus, you could draw some sort of line to to Wall Street bets in mass speculation. I don't think that that is too far removed. Now, it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong for the moment. I think in the big picture, we know how that what that does. We don't want everybody in finance, right or in particularly in trading. But I think that I think that that whole thing, what I've seen is especially people that have had success, part of my thought was, we'll go ahead and build this because I'm using it. And also, rather than just say, okay, you know, this is my research piece on a couple stocks, or I've done a deep dive, you know, the world's moving. And I have found actually crypto traders adapt to this the best and technical traders too, because it's like, okay, look, you don't need to dig into the numbers. I'm just telling you that we've done the work on that side. And this comes down to like at any given time, a couple hundred stocks. And, you know, if you have a real technical bend, I could just go through, you know, I think I posted this live, but MSCI is a really good example of a classic. Uh, technical setup. This was at the 19 low. And I, I go to this one a lot because it had a false breakdown. It was on our scans fundamentally, and it just takes off technically. Now, the problem I would see with a lot of veterans with this is it was still expensive. It still is expensive. It's always been expensive. I paid six times sales, sold it at like 12 times. I think it got to 14. I've adapted my thinking on that. So I've seen people who are more crypto driven, kind of not have an issue because that doesn't necessarily come into the the, the matrix and they're e- they're able to adapt quickly to, OK, that's a chart I like. OK, I might do a little fundamental stuff or whatever. It's all here. Right. You could do it. But at the end of the day, there's that. I think on the active side, the videos, it's a mix. It's people who are trading. It's also I like to tailor like once a month videos for advisors, this type of stuff, the outlook thing, because that still is near and dear. The algo is much more for people who already have an existing trading approach. So I kind of try to caution, like if you don't have one, it's a counter trend system. We're trying to build in some stuff where we can say, OK, I get a couple hundred signals a week. Which ones have some form of confirmation? Have they turned the corner yet? You could make a technical condition for that. But right now, it's mostly like, OK, if you have been trading and you want to get a sense of what's capitulating and you know what you would do with a certain chart, then that's the sweet spot for that group right now. We, we may try to make that easier, but that's where because counter trend has its own risk, right? Of even like Zoom, right? It can come off 50 bucks and still end up 100 bucks higher in, a, in three months. At the same time, some of these bottoming ones are just incredible. I mean, if you go back to the 08, I mean, URI, some of these signals at the low on some of these you know, in here, Etsy and Align, I'll just show you. These are growth and quality names with all the factors that I like. And then you get an algo and it's through the roof. So it's that and it's uh, Align, which is, and there's plenty, I mean, the whole system really, you know. So that's kind of how it's structured and we'll see. You know, I, I think that, Part of this is trying to say, okay, you know, I don't think advisors are going to come in and trade a chart, but I do think that, you know, swing and position, this irons out a lot of the issues I've seen with just momentum or just value, you know, and and so that's it. You know, we're seeing we're just seeing how people transition. I I will say I've seen crypto people do very well with this experience for the algo is helpful. And then in the active side right now, it's it's broad. I, I don't it's getting a little crowded, so I don't know if I'll change that, but it's broad. You got people who are just learning to people who are managing a lot of money for other people, to people who are running their own portfolios, you know? And so, that, you know, we'll see. I, my, my bigger thing was build what what you can, right? Rather than say, you know, here's how things have been done. Uh, and then it's cool because in a time like this, although you know the revenue growth stocks are doing well, there's other stuff in here. I can see the strategies now and I can get a sense of what I'm trying to do, you know? And, and my... Last piece on the largest overlying philosophy is no matter what, whether you're advising, whether you're a portfolio manager, whether you're learning to trade or trading, the only thing I know is that it takes work. And so the, the tools are there, you know, and I provided I've seen people under 30 who are not crypto, who are more traditional, let's say, I don't know, business school or something, be able to plug in very well, too, with the factors and understand them. And then overlay a technical thing you know i think there's a less stigma now to technicals than there was so we'll see i mean that's you know it's a mixed mixed group for sure with my focus being like okay i'm not my first thought is not who is this for because i use it right from there we will come okay who's you know best suited but it's been fun to watch it's definitely been fun to see uh and and i don't even think this dashboard came about through a collective process too so we could you know learn about each strategy
2: yeah i definitely want to comment on that that it's one of the most professional <laughs> websites for traders i've ever seen on my end with such amazing uh with such amazing, you know just caretaker that iron is i'm 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 quite sure to be honest okay right right after this podcast i'm making my way to the to this place <laughs> i can tell you i can promise that yeah but before before we go i mean I i want to I want you to know, Arun, that your generosity, you know, with your time today, your overall, like, you know, I would say guidance for me. Well, I think this has had a lot of impact to kind of like shaping the way I am today as the market analyst. So I always look up to whenever I see, be it you know, uh, be be it a beautiful explanation of a chart or even a damn stupid fucking meme, whatever, <laughs> whatever you do is just stop quality, man. Like this is this is so insane. Yeah, but before I let you go, before I let you go, I do have this one. Can it can be more complex? But I think we don't need to like make it the most expensive answer to that. But there is like TA itself okay is extremely controversial for for the majority because you know most of the people would never truly understand what it means right what it's what it means like how you define it like how it works for some people you would just see some squiggle lines you know over the chart right and they would say how sorry how the fuck can chart listen to us simple stupid line that you draw right it doesn't make sense for for the majority of people but when you actually discover and gain the knowledge that stands behind it then you actually realize that it's not a stupid line okay but it actually represents the behavioral finance to an extent and all the and all the actual amazing uh i would say well studies that have been you know just pretty much on the table for for years and for decades run you know just over and then you know just provided by some such amazing people like you are but for the question though how and for our listeners how would you define or perceive use apply in general the combination of technical analysis and behavioral
1: finance slash economics yeah no i think that's that's the big thing and i think like I said, you're more than welcome for the guidance. I mean, I've seen your stuff, so I, I feel as though like, you know, these are I'm I'm not on some, you know, crusade of like, okay, it's gotta be technicals or fundamentals or I just think that over the years, you know, we don't really open up to the benefits and negatives of of, of each approach. And if you look historically at you know how technicals came onto the scene it was chart patterns and and i understand that as being like how could this chart pattern you know and that's true but then if you look at some of the biggest pros like Gunlock has moved into sentiment and resistance levels that's a big thing i don't i think they missed in many ways because there's some stuff missing there but that's fine if you look at drunken miller i mean essentially it's intramarket right it's 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 how different sectors are moving and what that's telling us about the economy and so I think that if you look at the hardcore value side, like Graham and Dodd being the original book on that, there's massive flaws with that. I mean, that book was written after the depression. It's a it's a bunker manual to not go broke, but it's not necessarily a manual for finding a winning investment. And it, it can be over time. I'm sure there's been back tests and things like that. And I think that the that technicals has that problem where the original authoring stuff is all patterns. So I think that's the the point is to really find ways to communicate that and show that. And 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 the way I have seen it work is there are concepts that I think everyone can gravitate to whether that's accumulation, distribution, capitulation, you know, trend and internals. And you start to move away from squiggly line at that point, right? And you start to look at it holistically But it's not going to transfer for a lot of people, no matter what. It's just not, you know, I I worked in a very value driven wealth management sort of situation. And I, you know, appreciate everybody there. I would never say anything other than that. But, you know, even using a weekly moving average was not something that was, you know, you can imagine a 30 week, 50 week moving average just to say, is this in an uptrend or a downtrend? That's the level of backlash towards like a pattern or a trend And so the more you can shift to, because, and I I see this, people see the algo results sometimes. You know, I mean, I literally, the algo fired on, I did a video on March 23rd specifically to say that this whole thing is going to turn because of what I was seeing. And so even when you see that, it's still not easy to translate. Okay, so let's say I'm an advisor. How do I translate it? Or let's say I'm a trader with not a lot of experience or, you know, I believe in every book how to price an asset. It's still not going to be usable. So part of this is, trying to focus on the things that are most relevant to all of our minds. And I and again, I think that is stuff like, okay, this is being accumulated or this looks like it's going into a mega cycle or something. That coupled with like a movement away from, okay, if this line just moves this. It's kind of like, what is this suggesting, right? And 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 once you get there, you'll see that oftentimes asset prices are telling us the story. It might not be the story you want it told in a way, but Look at today, work-from-home stocks versus airline stocks. It's telling us the story. I don't know which way it's going to conclude, right? I don't know. Do you short, you know, sales growth names and buy airlines? I don't think so. Do you know where this economy is going? No, but we have a sense that how long airlines have is liquidity. We have a sense of what the government's going to try to do to save them, right? And all of that should filter through to the way prices are acting. So you should, at the very least, be able to tell a story that at least is the current one. I think the challenge then becomes what moves next. And that's the art, you know, and that's where, that's where you start getting into, okay, these are my charts that I'm looking at. And these are my, it becomes a risk management tool at that point. But I think there's just a lot there between pattern analysis, intramarket behavior, you know, and I I almost want to, there was a, I forget his name. There was somebody, but they called it basically visual analysis, right? Was the name to try to change it to or work on some component of tying in the behavior? Because I fully agree with you. At the end of the day, 90% of people will look at it and be like, that's a squiggly line. And and the last comment on this is the the screwed up thing is you don't get the leeway that a fundamental investor gets. So if a squiggly line is your narrative in someone's head and that line goes down, even though you thought it would go up, that's it. It's over. See, it doesn't work. If I tell you a fundamental story about a company and all this stuff that's happening, it could drop 90%. I can still tell you the story. You know, and people will say, oh, okay, okay, I get it. Right. So I think those are the challenges. That's why I think what I mean, you've done a great job, frankly, look at the way you're explaining, you know, the patterns and what they suggest or what can come about. But you're never going to be able to fully do it because people will always say, oh, that you said this or you said that. And then the other side of it, too, is that it's just a more of a stigma thing versus being like, you know, I pitched you a stock that is in the dumps for five years, but it's still... Reported earnings this quarter. I mean that 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 functionally has its issues too. But I think we just humanly look at it different.
2: Frankly speaking, okay,
1: this is one of the best one of the best explanations
2: for those who actually are le- learning and searching their ways into uh, technical analysis. I think this is such some such a great summary on that. And uh, well, I'm I'm honored to I'm honored to to, to have been your uh, well you're s- somehow to an extent like a coachy, right? Although not even formalized, but uh, you've always been like a great person to look up to. And I'm so happy for your being over here with us.
0: Guys, we've had a phenomenal show today. And uh, it goes without saying that our listeners and everyone should hurry on over to fusionpointcapital.com and get a better initiation into the work of, uh, Aaron and his team over there. Cause it's, uh, it's really impressive stuff. Uh, Aaron, I, I want to just say that you've been a phenomenal guest and really appreciate you sharing with us today. And we're keen to give our guest the opportunity to leave our listeners with final thoughts. Do you have anything that you'd like to, uh, leave our listeners ruminating on or reflecting on, uh, between now and the next show?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and thanks for having me, guys. I definitely, definitely appreciate it. And, and yeah, this has been an evolving thing. So I've got a good group of people now working on this stuff. So I definitely, you know, I'm happy to share what we're doing. And I plan to more publicly, too. This has been about a year long thing. But, but in the big, big picture, I think for, you know, your listeners, and I assume it's a lot of crypto and, you know, younger as well, which is great. I, I think that, you know, I, I, I think, the openness to price analysis will help you. I think some of the behavioral differences you can make is moving away from the common narratives in your space that may be true in the long run, but won't impact necessarily today the way everyone's thinking. And, and, and I say that from a place of experience where, you know, once you learn about things and you're in your 20s in particular and you see sort of the way things kind of now you're going through a pandemic or something, right, whether it's the GFC, whether it's a dot com. And you see how, you know, the Fed operates or how money gets, you know, frankly, put in places that often don't need it and things like that. You want to absorb that, but you want to build inside. Like I think back to my story of the of my, you know my friend who had done so well, all of these things are part of it. And I and I and I just think those are, that's it. I mean, I, I see sometimes the common narratives of like, OK, the Fed is printing and the whole thing's going to come down, maybe. But at the same time, there's opportunity uh, elsewhere. And I would say that I I definitely as for every time I thought I kind of knew it all, whether it was mid 20s, late 20s, you know, early 30s, something like that. There's always something that comes wrong and, along and changes your view. So challenge those assumptions like I really nowadays challenge valuation as an assumption, you know, when there's so much liquidity challenge those things and you'll find those opportunities because although you may have the real narratives, right. And we know the real problems in the financial systems globally, we know the inequality and we know you still will see a lot of things happen between now and then in your life. And there's a lot of things you can do in the face of that and still benefit, you know, because you have that knowledge.
0: Amazing wisdom with room Chopra over at Fusion Point Capital. Thank you so much. Uh, Adrian, thank you so much for, for being on. And my friends, that is The Nest Show. Bixi is an easy to use cryptocurrency exchange. Get verified in minutes. Buy and sell popular cryptocurrencies on a safe, compliant, insured US exchange. Enjoy everything you need in one place. A two way ramp for major currencies, credit and debit card support, an industry leading API, responsive customer support, and a five-star mobile app. Love your primary cryptocurrency exchange? If not, make the switch to Beeksy today. Visit Beeksy by clicking the link in the description. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. We invite you to connect with our guests on Twitter, where Arun can be reached at Fusion PT Capital. Of course, Adrian is at CryptoBurb, and I am at BenjaminT1717. Additionally, make sure you visit Arun's project at FusionPointCapital.com to learn more about what his algo and service suite can do for your trading. Again, we want to thank our sponsors at PrimeXBT for their support of the show and for their support of our listeners. Once again, after signing up to trade at TheBurbNest.com slash PrimeXBT, be sure to follow up on the announcement channel of our Discord and learn how to capitalize on their generous trading bonus offer that they've exclusively made available to our community. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at TheBurbNest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations. And we welcome you to join us at thebirdnest.com slash Discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at thebirdnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestro at the This podcast is brought to you by the Burbnest. nest. Thank you and trade on.